0: about why the number one problem facing businesses is listening and what we can do about it. Christine Miles, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Well, thanks for having me on, John.
0: It's a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from Cleveland. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah, and today we're going to be talking about the number one problem facing businesses today. We're going to talk about listening, and we're going to talk about what we can do about it uh, to listen better, uh, to listen more intently, and to really drive success in our organizations. As we get started, I wanted to share Christine's bio with everybody. For over 25 years, Christine Miles has been training individuals and organizations on how to listen in ways that transform how they connect influence, solve, and succeed in every aspect of life. Through her company, Equipped, she teaches organizations how to harness emotional intelligence to improve business outcomes using the listening path, a proven system on listening to understand. The listening path empowers organizations to create cultures of empathy and understanding that drive performance and results. The listening path has been taught and implemented at Fortune 100 companies, universities, law firms, and privately held companies nationwide. Pleasure to have you. Anything else you would like to add by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in.
1: Um, just uh, I guess for me, the reason I well, I started doing this work when I was five, <laughs> just because I learned to listen differently as a kid because of my my upbringing. But one of the reasons I do the work is that the only reason I've succeeded in anything in my life is because I've had the skill of listening differently because I learned it so young. And it's, it's also the reason that I've seen people struggle or even fail, businesses fail, leaders fail, because we're told to listen and not taught. So, just with that preface, I think it's, it's just something that's not been attended to. And I love the fact that I get to help people pay attention to this so that they can very quickly move the needle.
0: Yeah, thank you. And I, I do think people can move the needle pretty quickly. Uh, you know, I often talk with. Guests on this show about building foundations of trust, and I know no better way to start that process of building foundations of trust than just truly being with the person sitting in front of you and intently listening with no agenda, just mm-hmm. to understand. Uh, and as as we do that, and and the other person seen feel seen and heard, uh, they feel valued, and it, it can build from there. Uh, and so what and what i also see too like you said I, I see it all the time i see it in organizations i mean it's it's a common human problem i suppose uh perhaps it's it's we're battling human nature here but uh especially you know as leaders move up the ranks in organizations and they get further on in their career it's just really easy to get isolated you're kind of in a bubble um you, you, not everyone but a lot of leaders fall into the trap of drinking their own Kool-Aid and and kind of believing, you know, that they have these special powers of discernment and, you know, abilities above and beyond the average person. And the truth is they don't, they're just at a different point in their career. Uh, They've had people around them that have helped them be successful. And now they're in a position of power and position, you know, uh, of authority. And that doesn't necessarily mean anything for their, their, you know, innate abilities. And if they don't, surround themselves with people who will push back and challenge their thinking and, and try to get them outside of their conventional uh, modes of thought, they're going to fall into the traps of just uh, regurgitating a a bunch of of ideas, thinking that they're brilliant, when in fact, you know, they're not even workable a lot of times. Um, So intellectual humility, I think, is an essential part of developing this, this skill of listening. And as we do that, and we, you know, we don't, we 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 ignore or or get you know push off the tendency that leaders have sometimes to surround themselves with people who will kind of tell them what they like to hear uh then I think we can be in a position where we can actually as leaders leverage the capacity of our people because we're leaning on their expertise I as a leader can there's no possible way that I can have all of the knowledge and expertise needed to direct everyone on my team. That's just not the world we live in, in the knowledge economy. So I need to be comfortable having people push on me. I need to facilitate that. And I need to feel comfortable uh, empowering the expertise of my team. And that can only happen as I listen, as I build trust.
1: Wow, you said so many important things there, (laughs) starting with the fact that uh, building trust means that you not only hear people, but you see them, and that uh, you, you listen to understand, which is a different kind of listening. And and I think I think you're so right. And even when leaders want to be surrounded by people who push them but push back and are open to that, uh, it's still difficult to listen the further along you get in your career because knowledge and experience is actually the enemy of listening. It's not the other way around. <laughs> the more we know, uh, the more we, you know, we we don't listen, ironically, because we we well, experienced it's, it's... a lot of things.
0: Yeah, it's the irony, you know, the, the more we know, the, the more we experience, the more we think we know, when the reality is, it's the old cliche, the more you learn, like, I I feel like the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know, because mm-hmm. you you learn more questions to ask, and then you realize, oh, I have no clue. So so right. it really, it really comes back to that intellectual humility. But that's a hard thing. and And it's a and really people, hard thing. It's a really hard thing. People progress in their career. They've had successes. They're usually pretty smart. Um, you know, so it's really easy to fall into that trap.
1: Well, let's just look at our relationships. That's that's the case too, right? The longer we're with somebody, the less we listen. Ironically, because we think we already know who they are and know what they have to say. You're smiling big on that, Jonathan. <laughs> so,
0: so I've been married for 20 years. We just celebrated our 20th well, wedding anniversary.
1: Yeah,
0: thank you. And you know, my wife and I we have a good relationship. But this, yeah, it's you know, you can't just assume and take things for granted. You just have to. It's like continual effort and my wife and I have very different styles of communication. I am a talker. I think out loud, Mm -hmm. she's kind of a ruminator. Like she, she likes to take it in Mm -hmm. really process it and then come back later. And we both think we know the other person really well. And we do, I suppose we've been married for 20 years, but you know my wife surprises me still daily and i hope i surprise her daily and so the reality is i can't assume that i understand what's going on in her head you know and we have to have these conversations and we have to continually do it and that's you know we may not work with the same people for 20 years but the same principle applies right
1: the same principle applies and it's it's just why there's so many enemies of listening but and knowledge and experience is a big one it that's it's so Think about a five year old. How curious are they when they're exploring the world and they're asking why, 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 why? Because they don't have the answers. So the more we experience something, the less curious we become. It's, it is counterintuitive. And I think what you said so important is that that as as we go in longer into our careers and, and we get the roles of leadership, it's actually the percentage of listening should go up, not down. It's as much as 80% of time is spent listening so that you can uncover the insights from your team that's out there collecting the the information so that you can really come to the best decisions. And the answers are within, but we have to know how to find them. And once again, we are told from a young age to listen, we are not taught. There are zero years of education in our, in our educational systems from, grade school through executive leadership programs on listening and only two percent of people have any kind of listening training i'm a i'm a prime example of that so i i have a master's undergrad in psychology and master's in psychology i'm a certified structural family therapist from a world-renowned institution never had a course on listening it was an assumed listen assumed skill
0: well and i sure hope that therapists know how to listen <laughs> that's kind of part of the job right
1: well, it is, and so, and and certainly, you know, depending on the program, there's there's different aspects. But it was interesting. We were at a client not that long ago, and I also I asked people how many of you've had listening training. And when it comes back to it, it's it's maybe a few hours or a half a day, if if that. But a social worker, a previous a reformed social worker, she was now working in a different field. That I was trained on listening, and when I unpacked it with her, she goes, come to think of it, they didn't teach me to listen, they just expected me to do it, and inherently, she was probably better than most, and some of the training you get is a byproduct of it, but to really understand how to do it from a skill level is not something that's taught um, very well, in my opinion, and, and certainly not often enough.
0: Yeah and and I mentioned in your bio as I was reading that you know there's there's different really positive things that come from listening it it transforms how we connect with other people it increases our level of influence uh it it allows us to develop empathy uh which is an essential leadership competency and capability in the modern world um and so I think the benefits are clear and I think most people would say yeah I need to listen and it's important for leaders to listen so the gap between people acknowledging what's important versus what they do or knowing how to do it is is a, it's huge it's a huge chasm and i'm mm-hmm. wondering how we go about bridging that
1: so that's the gap that that i really set out to to close is the how so i think people uh, And anecdotally, I've asked people around the world is listening important and nobody has not raised their hand on that one. Maybe in part because they just don't want to be the person that didn't raise their hand. But mostly because we inherently know how important it is. Right. And we even know sometimes what to do. You've said a few things like be curious or ask really good questions or. But what is a really good question? And and how do we even know what that is? Because, again, we're not taught and. By the way, questions can interfere with listening, not the other way around. They can be very disruptive to listening. So, so that gap, closing that gap, is what what um, what I've set out to do. And and the other benefit that I want to add, because there's a lot of the the benefits like you're describing in terms of connection and trust and those things. And and while they're very results oriented, they also can feel intangible to a lot of people because we're not all wired to see those as as the, the first step towards the tangible result. So just for, for your listeners, one of the, the biggest things that listening does is it helps you solve problems. And it helps you solve them more quickly, more efficiently, and most importantly, that you solve the right problem and not just a problem. So the more aware you are of what it means to really listen differently, the more you're aware that there's a lot of problems that are being solved that aren't the right problem
0: you know the statistics get thrown around about change initiatives for example and how often they fail um you know common percentages are 70 80 plus percent of change initiatives fail and why is that um i mean there's a, a myriad of reasons but a lot of it comes down to oftentimes organizations spend a lot of time and energy on symptoms not root causes right, right. and not not the actual problems and so they'll put all this effort into something And then it doesn't move the needle because they weren't, they weren't doing the right thing. Uh, And, and so how do you uncover that? It takes time and it takes, uh, you know, in, in some cases it takes a a really decent amount of of effort um, to, to dig down and continue to to never assume that we've reached the root, but to keep asking that. So what now, what kind of questions, you know, Mm -hmm. to to dig deeper. Um, And, you know, that's, honestly, not how the business world tends to work. Like we want to drive solutions quickly. And so what ends up happening is instead of taking that systematic, a systematic holistic approach to trying to really understand the problem, we just jump to solution Mm -hmm. and we jump to solution that turns out to be the wrong solution. It doesn't actually solve anything. And, and so that's one of the major reasons why change initiatives so often fail. So how do we, how do we uh, battle that? We listen more, we, talk to more people we pay attention we you know you can do things like surveys and focus groups and and all sorts of things but you need to listen and you need to pay attention to what you're hearing from people and not just try to assert your agenda um, but really pay attention and that's that's hard I I remember years ago I was doing a consulting project with a company they were having a really hard time uh, with with turnover I mean turnover in, in their industry was not uncommon it was a little bit higher than some other industries, but their business in comparison to competitors was way higher. So they had some major issues that they needed to address. Uh, and so I was sitting down with the executive team. We're talking about, you know, what some of our approaches could be as we're trying to really understand what's going on here. And they kept, you know, I kept on talking about, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, Social scientist. I'm a professor. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I do academic research. I understand that I can't do academic research in a corporate setting. I understand that, you know, their their patience for like the level of what I would like to do, you know, may not be the same as what I would do in an academic setting. So I get that. But they kept on pushing and pushing, and I'm like, no, garbage data in, garbage results out. Like we we got to find the real problems. Mm -hmm. And and finally, I'm like, well, if you want to do a quick and dirty survey or something we can do that but i'm not so sure it's going to really tell you much of anything worthwhile and they they turned to me and they said no we're not going to do a quick and dirty one we're going to do a quick and quality one mm-hmm. i'm like well you can you can change the term but it's still the same thing
1: yeah
0: <laughs> like that's they right. wanted to they wanted to be able to claim that no we're going to do it quick and cheap and it's going to be just as good as like a thorough in-depth one that we take more time on i'm like that's just not the way it works mm-hmm. um and 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 we ended up compromising somewhere in the middle, and we got some good insights, but there were lots of pieces that weren't there. Um, that that I really felt like needed to be, and that's that's the constant challenge, the battle. Right? Yeah, that's and the battle.
1: It is, it is a challenge. So and and again, I I try to emphasize with people that are solving and and throwing solutions at things because that's what we're trained to do, and that's also what we're trained. That brings value. So you're bringing value. What is it? What does Boston say? Don't just come to me with questions. Come to me with how you think it should be fixed. Well, We're, inclu- we're, we're really encouraging solutions as the, as the holy grail of what, what makes you good. And instead of looking at what those root causes are, I, we work with different IT organizations. And there was a gentleman that used to be the, the CIO of Rollins. And he said, when he learned about the listening path, I was doing a keynote. He said, wow, he goes, we're we're not trained to ask to get to root cause we're we're trained to get you know to to deliver what's asked for not what is needed and we're not trained how to really uncover what the real needs are we know we're supposed to find the needs but how to do that is a whole different matter and as i said questions can really interfere with with listening well so so we're kind of in this this kind of circular path and and another another objection, if you will, to listening, and and I'd be interested to hear, if you hear this, is that people say, and leaders say, we don't have that kind of time. I don't, I don't, and it's fair because we're in back-to-back meetings and whether, you know, the pandemic made this even worse because of the, the Zoom availability, we just go from one meeting to the next, and if we don't get to it quickly, then our time is up. And so that's also one of the, the fears is if this is going to take too long, so that's also why we rush to solution. So I call it a slow down to speed up. You slow down a little bit on the front end to get to the right solution much faster. and And I believe, and I, and I think we've proven that the way we we're transforming listening means that you not only get more effective at it, but you get more efficient at it. You can get to those things much more quickly. If you're shown how, like, I would say I can throw a football and so can Tom Brady, but he probably does a little bit better than <laughs> me. <laughs> so show me how you do that. Well, he has both the proficiency and the efficiency in his, his abilities. So that's what we focus on is creating proficiency and efficiency.
0: It made me think of an organization I was doing some work with uh, a few years back. And they had a new CEO. So the CEO did what many new executives will do. And they'll, they'll go in and they'll do a listening tour. And that's what she called it, okay. a listening tour. In principle, like, yeah, I love the idea. Go around, talk to people, get the lay of the land, understand what's happening. The problem was in this situation, as I've seen it in many, many other situations, is there wasn't actually much listening going on at all. It was, it was all a facade. And so it was kind of this, this, uh, performative thing that, that they would go around. They got to meet people and, and learn a little bit about the organization. Um, but it had more to do with them sharing their vision moving forward Mm -hmm. than trying to listen and learn about what's been working, what hasn't been working in the organization leading up to that point. Uh, and so most people got, Jaded and frustrated by that, you know, yeah. and they they experience that, and they're just like, well, now we see, you know, what kind of person we're working with, and we'll do the best we can to navigate, um, you know, this kind of a situation, and 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 so just because we put the words on it doesn't, it, you know, our actions speak louder than words. I guess is what I'm saying. The words themselves don't matter, and so I can call it a listening tour, uh, all I want, but then I actually have to go listen. I actually have to go pay close attention uh, and be willing to. You know disrupt my preconceived notions uh one right. one thing i i i've I've had experience you know with with various executives I'm thinking of one in particular who is just so frustrating, like a really good person, sincere person, no malice you know there, i don't i don't I'm not assuming any bad intentions at all, but the person just like multiple meetings where they would be told and explained things to them very clearly and succinctly. And they just weren't listening. They just couldn't mm-hmm. get it. Like, and they're a very smart person. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they just had their own kind of point of view, and and nothing was going to change that, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's the situation, especially when you're in higher levels of leadership with position power, um, in a hierarchical system, that you can actually do some pretty severe damage to the organization.
1: Huge, huge damage. Huge. And and so I even I really you know, appreciate the story about the the listening tour because I imagine that there was an incredible intention behind and that they genuinely believed they were going out and listening. That's that's what's really kind of frustrating and sad to me is that here's the right effort, the right intent, and maybe even you know so close to the right approach. But it just so happens I'm from the Philly area. I'm in Cleveland today because I'm here with a a company, a med tech company, and working with some surgeons. And, um, you know, you wouldn't send me into surgery without teaching me how to do it. (laughs) But because I know that the patient's life is at risk, if you sent me into the OR, there's grave consequences. When it comes to listening, because we're told to listen and it's just expected, I think there's some sense of we already know how to do it. And so we don't see that that there's somebody laying on the table and that life is in our hands when we're listening. I, I liken this to more like death by a thousand cuts than to one cut. So the injuries happen repeatedly and then till, till somebody's bleeding out, but somebody's still bleeding out. And so I think that's, that's where there's a, an assumption of, I can do this because of course I'll listen because I go in with the intention of listening. And and that's where this is a need to have and not a nice to have to learn how to listen in a more profound and different and transformational way, because we're we're not taught we're told.
0: Yeah, and and I will say I I really do appreciate when people have good intentions, uh, when people are sincere that means a lot to me and I'm I'm willing to be very patient with people who are making the effort and who have sincerity um, behind them, but
1: intention doesn't.
0: It's not enough, and intention doesn't necessarily mean much of anything when it comes to you know where the rubber meets the road and what's actually the impacts of what you do and say on the, your team and your organization
1: absolutely so, impact I mean, you, over intention absolutely isn't that what the basis of harassment started back about know, decades true. ago right yeah. it's like i I used to do a lot of that training and if it was the look most the the highest percentages it's not the emperor didn't know any so to speak, he didn't have any clothes on, not because the intention was really as as much that that's a much lower percentage of time. It's just that we're all dumb, right We don't know or we don't know what impact we have unless we're aware of it, and so this is this is where you know one of the things that that in in my work over the years is getting people to want to pay attention to this and understand that they shouldn't be doing surgery without being trained. Yeah. And so I think that, the, and that's also why I titled my book, What Is It Costing You Not To Listen? Because you can't solve a problem you don't know you have. So uh, so we all have the problem, we're all failing to listen because we're not told, uh, pardon me, we're not taught and because the brain is a huge enemy of listening. So you have no experience, you have no training. And then our brains are telling us to do everything but listen. And so we are set up for failure. And without and listening is truly a skill. And so if you are not equipped with the tools to enact the skill, you're gonna fail. Even with your positive intention, even with the right, you know, questions going into a listening tour, the brain will take over and it won't work. So that's and not not
0: only the hardwiring in our brain, but also societal norms and culture absolutely <laughs> so on both on both fronts it's it's something we have to just be very very purposeful and attentive to
1: mm-hmm. and
0: we can get better at it we can get more efficient at it as you mentioned um as- but,
1: absolutely uh, but, uh, i have clients uh, say i every time i do this it works as long as i remember
0: right yeah and
1: and that's just time on task right that's time on task
0: yeah well, Christine, this has just been a really fun conversation. I know the time I'm going to have to let you go here in just a few minutes. Um, but before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, where they can find your book, and then give us a final word on the topic for today.
1: Sure, sure. Well, I appreciate being here. It's been fun. Boy, the time really does fly. Uh, yeah, so what I want to say is, look, there's there's more than hope out there. There's there's the how. And one of the things that, um, that we do is really we enable people. The organizations with the how we there's six tools on a listening path that will transform how you listen i'll say it's simple not always easy because it does take time on task but this is simple and and, and we've been able to arm organizations and give them that common language and, and the way we do that is we train organizations to do that via workshops um if you want the handbook the guide it's really it's, it's the book what does it cost you not to listen which is about the tools on the listening path so that you can start get started just with that and you can certainly find me and my team at equip that's eq dash people.com
0: wonderful thank you christine it's been a real pleasure i encourage listeners to reach out get connected find out more about what christine and her team can do for you i hope we can all listen better and as always i hope everyone can stay healthy and safe that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day and i hope we all have a great week